in light of all that is going on in our world, our community around us, um, intentionally going to step away today from Matthew chapter 5. Um, I think it's one of our responsibilities as church leadership uh, to provide clarity to the church body during times of crisis, to help speak into a world in which you live, to help you best uh, respond, to help you keep the faith. And so today, that's intentional. We're, we're going to look at Romans chapter 8, 31 and 32. Um, I want you to know that as we come today to deciding whether to meet or not to meet, well, it's not easy. Uh, and, and honest, as we look forward, Brother Todd's already uh, mentioned it, but reality is we, we've got some really difficult days ahead of what it looks like for us. And, and, and this is the truth for you and for us as church leadership. None of us have ever faced a, a worldwide pandemic before, right? So this is new ground. Like they don't teach you this in seminary, right? This is not like, oh, this is how you lead a church through a pandemic. This is just not it. And so we're all trying to make decisions. And so with that, we realize, listen, some of you are on board with those decisions and some of you aren't. And we're asking that you would show us grace as we make decisions not only now, but moving forward. And we pray that we would show that. Um, I also want to be clear, listen, that our meeting today does not say that we have more faith than other churches who did not, all right? So card against any kind of uh, pride in that. It also, we need to be wise in saying that, listen, just because we met today doesn't mean that we're not loving our neighbor as ourselves. nor does it mean that we're dismissing Paul's teaching in Romans 13 to be submissive to government authorities, right? So you've got to balance that, and churches are trying. How do we balance that best? And some have been led one way and some the others. And so I, I just want to caution us to show grace to both sides, okay, no matter where you land on that. Um, and so, again, encourage you. You need to be praying. We've already spent time praying, but praying for our church leadership, praying for our, our leadership of our city, our county, our state, our national, and then ultimately throughout the world, right, as decisions are being made. And so I, I want to start out today with an important question that I think hits in the midst of this crisis, and it's this. It's an important one. Is God good? I want you to wrestle with that today. Is God Good. And as a follow-up, as you're trying to wrestle with that today, as we seek to answer that today, I, I want to ask maybe a question, a little bit of call and response here today. What are some things today that you are worried about? Finances. All right, what else? School. Waking up on time. That's it. That's right. Others, come on. What are you worried? What are some things you're worried about? Grandchildren. Parents. Health, right, the coronavirus, there's things we're worried about, right? We've all got different things, but the reality is whether it was mentioned or not, you've got things that you're worried about, right? I wrote down things like health, retirement, your job, your business, the economy. Will you even be able to go on vacation? Like we've got all kinds of worries. And, and listen, I, I want to be honest with you today. The worry is real, right? The fear in which we're experiencing right here, it's real. I, I don't want to dismiss that. And in fact, I want to remind you of the seriousness of what's happening I read an article just recently, and it was comparing the flu to, to what's going on right here with the coronavirus, right? And so uh, just to kind of statistics, now again, listen, we're early in on this, right? So we we're hoping that these statistics start to come back down, so we realize that. But again, this is looking at statistics of, of the death rate of, from the flu as opposed to that of the coronavirus, specifically there in China. All right. And so just giving us a little bit of comparison of why you why are we living in a culture in which there seems to be so much fear? Listen, to what the flu, right, kills less than one percent of infected people who are over 65. By comparison, in China, the coronavirus killed eight percent of those 70, 79 or almost 15 percent of those who are 80 or above. 
In fact, even the death rate of those of us who are young is alarming. The flu kills 0.02% of infected patients, 18 to 49. For the coronavirus in China there, it's 10 times that rate. So again, I'm not a health expert, and we have many of those. We're blessed to have many of those in this church, and, and we're, we've been corresponding with them, trying to get wisdom, and we're going to continue to do that, of what this looks like going forward for us. But listen, I, I'm sharing this today to want you to realize that the world in which you live, this is serious. Okay, Even if you think maybe it's not today, I want you to realize it is serious. There is real worry. There is real fear. And we're seeing that expressed. And and listen, I, I, I've heard from, from many Christians, right? They're citing 2 Timothy 1.7 that God did not give us what? A spirit of fear, a spirit of timidity, right? A, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind or self-control. But I want you to be able to anchor to say, why do I not have a spirit of fear? What, what Who is this God today, right? That didn't give me a spirit of fear. What's behind this God? Who is he that he's so rock solid, so unshakable that I could live in such a shaking time and not have fear? Corey was reading my script earlier, but Psalm 46 verse 1 and 2 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. Though the earth shakes and gives way though the mountains be thrown into the sea the psalmist says it's not because things aren't shaking and quaking all around us it is because of who god is that's why i don't fear he is my help he is my strength he is my refuge and i think today you've got to wrestle with a big big tough topic is god really worthy of that kind of trust right i mean listen no matter again no matter how much we may say, I'm not worried. I think that reality is today we're all experiencing worry to some extent. And here's why I think deep down that I worry, and I'm assuming that most of you worry. And it's this right here. We worry because we wonder, is God really good? Now follow me just for a moment, right? Because some of you are like, dude, I totally believe God's good. I, I don't have any struggle with that. L- listen, here's what I think is behind ultimately the worry in my own heart. And, and I think probably yours. We wrestle because we worry, because we wonder deep down, is God really good? And here's why. Because we have thoughts about how the way the future should go. We have thoughts about how long we should live or our parents should live or our kids should live. We have thoughts about how our business should go. We have thoughts about how our school should go. We have thoughts about who we should marry. We have thoughts about when we should retire. We have thoughts about when we should be on vacation. We have thoughts about if we'll have toilet paper, right? I mean, we have thoughts about a lot of things and we worry deep down Will God actually do what I think he should do? We worry because we wonder what if God's plan isn't what my plan is. And so deep down in our hearts, I think we're all ultimately worrying and fearing because we are wrestling with this fact. Is God really good? And what today I want to share for you is this big idea is that Jesus death for me assures me that God is good. And that he will meet all my needs. The big idea today is this. Jesus' death on the cross, right? It assures me that God is good. And that he will meet all of my needs. So today, listen, I'm going to try to wrestle with some big questions. Something like, is it possible to not worry? If God is good, then why is he allowing the coronavirus to happen? Is he even in control of the coronavirus? So today, I want to set maybe this roadmap before us to show us that God is in control, that God is in fact good, 
and how God is the answer to all of your worries and fears. So let's start with the first one. God is in control, right? It's a real question we're wondering right now. I think the Bible, specifically Paul here in Romans 8, has something to say about this. God is in control. Look at me, would, in the Word of God in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 31. Paul says, begin there in verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, what? Who can be against us? You know this passage. Probably heard it. If God is for us, who can be against us? What he says further in verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Will he not also with him graciously give us what? All things, right? That's what we're going to wrestle today. Romans 8, 31 to 32. We're trying to answer big, hard questions for the world in which you live and the worry and fear that's invading your own soul. That's what we're after today. And by God's grace, I pray that we arrive there. So what Paul says again, what shall we say to these things? Now, we need to be asking, well, what's Paul referring to when he says these things? And so if we might, we just rewind the passage just a little bit, right? We know that Paul has already said to us in verse 28 that all things are working together for good. We know that Paul deals with some of the most difficult passages in all the Bible here in Romans 8, 29 and 30. Talks about God foreknowing and he also predestined those to be conformed to the image of his son. Right. Those he predestined, it says he also called and those he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Right. This five link chain that Paul's saying, listen, I want you to know that God is ultimately for you. He's so for you. That he's at work in your salvation from beginning to end. Furthermore, we don't have it on the screen, but if you look back like to verse 18, Paul says in Romans 8, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us and in us. Right? So again, Paul says there, listen guys, I want you to know that there are real sufferings going on. So Paul, when he writes here and says these things, right, he's going to, he's starting to build upon what he's just talked about. Furthermore, if you look here further in the text, Romans 8, 20 to 23, Paul is talking about the fact that the world is under a curse. We're experiencing that, right? You live in a world that is under the curse because of sin. And you're experiencing the coronavirus and fear and all of these things. Why? Because it's a result of the curse. Paul says right here in verses 20 to 23 that the creation itself is crying out for God to free it from this bondage. Just like we're crying out, the creation itself is crying out for God to rescue us. And so it kind of gives us a little bit of clarity on what Paul says when he says, what shall we say then to these things? And then he launches in. Look what he says here. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now here Paul is wanting us to realize that what he's just done here in Romans chapter 8, right? Verse 28 to 30. He's wanting you to be convinced that God is for you. Why? Because he has done a work of salvation on your behalf that you could never do for yourself in Christ. He's saying, guys, I want you to know how for God, how for he is of you. He is so for you that he sent his son to rescue and redeem you. Listen, God, listen, but this is also beautiful, right? We need to ask what does it matter if this person named uniquely right here, God, is for us, right? Because I can tell you today that I'm for you, but it probably ain't going to make a lot of difference in a lot of areas of your life. So the person that's for you has to have an infinite value, infinite worth, if this actually means something. And so this God is here, right? This God who is actually, as Paul's going to show us in, in, through this passage, He is in control of everything. In fact, this God who is in control of all things is for you. And, he, and if He is, then who can be against you? 
Right? Paul's saying earlier, listen, how for us is God and who is this God? Well, look what he says back in verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things do what? Work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now, again, we don't have time to walk through all the intricacies of this passage. It is so rich and deep. But listen, beloved. He is at work in all things, causing all things to work together for good for those who are his children. He's he's that in control. That what's happening in your life, you may counter it bad, but God says, I want you to know I'm working it for good. I'm going to bring good out of what you are experiencing. Listen, and and in light of Romans 8, we have know that this God has the power to reverse the curse that the creation is under, and one day he will do so. God is in so in control that in verse 35 and 36, listen, Paul is going to say God is able to keep our hearts from turning and rebelling against Christ, from being separated from Christ in the midst of suffering, right? Our own weakness. We are all, as we sing in the song, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, but praise the mount. I'm what? Fixed upon it. Come on. Mount of what? Thy redeeming love. You with me? Paul's saying it's the power of Christ that keeps us beloved, even in the midst of the worst of suffering, even unto death. There's a God who will be with you. There's a God who will keep you. But if he is for us and if he's in control, then we need to ask, then why is he allowing this to happen? Right. Is he he on vacation? Is he just overwhelmed? Like, what's the problem if he's all powerful? Right. Why is he doing this? I mean, if. He could stop the coronavirus or he could have stopped your diagnosis. Then why hasn't he? And that must mean that some way the coronavirus, in some way the diagnosis, in some way the hard things that you and I are experiencing must be a part of God's plan. And that's hard, beloved. That takes a step of faith, beloved. And so listen, I want to respond to this even just at the outset today. I want to be clear that God can be in control and yet not be the author of evil, right? That's a distinction that has to be made. That God can be in complete and total control and yet not be the author of evil. That's a sermon for another day, but it's an important one you must know and anchor to. So you say, Blake, give me an example in the Bible of God showing that he's in control and yet there's evil things happening and God bringing it about for good. Right, well, I'd say probably one of the most familiar one is, is Job, right? I mean, Job, in Job chapter 1, it's God who initiates with Satan, right? I've, I, have you not considered my servant Job? Right, God brings his name up. Satan doesn't go bringing his name up, right? Like, God's the one that initiates that. And God allows these things. Satan, what? He begins to bring the forces of nature that causes Job's children to die, right? In chapter 2, he brings unbelievable physical suffering, and yet in all of these, we know that God is continually setting limits even on what Satan can do, doesn't he? So there's a moment in which evil is at work, Satan is at work, and yet God is in control. God is there orchestrating and using all of this for his good and for his glory. So we see evil at work, and yet God is in control. Well, how in control is God? Maybe I just said a few things before you today. Psalm 33 and 10 says that the nations are under God's control. Mark chapter 4, verse 41, we see that nature itself is under God's control. In Mark chapter 1, verse 27, as Jesus is casting out evil spirits, the people say, listen, who who is this with such authority that even the evil spirits obey? And as we see there in Job chapter 1, Satan and evil spirits are under God's control. 
And then passages like Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 14 says that God sends trouble and calamity. So even trouble and calamity are under God's control. With that said, it is not the right approach for us to go and look at God as this vile, heinous, evil, sinister chess master on the board saying, poof, Nashville tornado, poof, Worldwide pandemic. That's not the God the Bible represents. The Bible represents a God who knows the very numbers of your head. The Bible says that there is a God who is so loving and so caring that not even a sparrow falls to the ground without God standing up and reading the obituary. Are you with me? That's the God who is faithful. That's the God who is in control. There is evil at work. But I want you to see, beloved, and know, beloved, your God is in control of all things. Lay your head down tonight and rest knowing that. Anchor your soul there. Listen, if this is true, it means that God's in control of every economic downturn, your latest oncology report, or even the coronavirus. But again, we are here today and we are all struggling with God being in control. Why? Because we worry again, is God's plan my plan? That's the worry. What if God doesn't do what we think He should do? Which brings us to this heart of the question, is God what? Is He good? Is God good? That's the passage we have to deal with. That's the the question we have to worry about. Is God actually good? Listen to what Paul says further here in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Again, he finished verse 31 by saying, If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he says this, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? This is an unbelievable statement. Saying, listen here again, look what God does. God does not spare who? His own son, right? This is an unbelievable moment. God is, listen, God is choosing not to spare his own son. He's choosing. This is God's plan. This is God being in control. This is God. We're wondering, is he good? Right? You gotta, you gotta deal with this. This is a God choosing, planning for his own son to experience pain and suffering. You might be asking, like, Blake, like, what has our world done to, like, deserve that, like, God would send, like, this type of pandemic upon us? Might we also ask in an even greater way, what had Jesus done to go to the cross, beloved? He's sinless. We're all sinners here. This one is sinless, and yet he's on the cross dying for us. And listen, now listen, when we come to this, we rejoice in this. We rejoice today. You've been singing, praising God For the cross. You've been praising God for suffering. In fact, listen, beloved, you see this suffering, this decisive decision by God to not spare His own Son, but to in fact give His Son up. And because of that today, you came here to worship because you believe that that is in some way good and infinitely good that a God would do that. In fact, it's so good. It's so good. And you and I, well, listen, we love, we love this about God. We love and we celebrate that there's a God who could allow pain and suffering for His Son. We think it's so good that on that day that Jesus died on the cross, we now call it good what? Good Friday. We don't call it bad Friday. Now listen, He's suffering the wrath of God. Spit, mocked, jeered, stripped, beaten, naked in front of His mama and so many others. And yet we have the audacity to call that day Good Friday. 
You see, what I'm coming to learn about myself, and maybe you'll discover it about you, is, is that I like when things are good for me, but when suffering comes to my house, that's not good. But again, listen. We look at God and say that He's good. Why? Because He allows. He does not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. We see that and say, this God is good. And it's pain, it's suffering right here happening. So listen, this has major implications for our lives. Why? Because we all deal with moments when we don't understand why is God allowing something to happen. Right? We wonder, God, why haven't you stepped in already? God, what did you not hear my prayer? God, do you not care about what's happening in our family, our situation? You even may start to wonder, does God actually love me? Does He care? And beloved, listen, many of you are experiencing great hardships. We may walk through great hardships that we have no idea this morning. Coming in the coming weeks or months. But I want to see that Paul is hammering to us here, to focus here, to say, listen, your life situations, you and I can't always understand what God's doing, how He's bringing good from it. But here's what we do know. That when we look to the cross and see Jesus dying in our place, suffering the wrath of God, standing before God as our substitute, we realize and know definitively that God does love us and He does care for us. So now, listen, this is important. You must take what you know definitively from the Word of God and the Spirit testifying to you inwardly that God is good, that He does love me, that He does care for me because you're going to experience so many moments in your life where you don't seem to understand that. So you cannot take what is unclear, your life situations, and let them trump what is clear. So you must face all situations in life even though you don't understand them, even though you don't like them, knowing that it must not be that this situation is a moment because God doesn't love me or care for me because I know He does so infinitely in His Son. And so I will trust in that and believe in that and hope in Christ. But that's what I know is certain, and this is what I'm experiencing, and it's uncertain. I don't know why, but I know it's not because God doesn't love me. I know it's not because God doesn't care for me. So listen, guys, God is, is doing for us what we can never do our, for ourselves. And, and so the text here is showing us God is in control. And He's proven His goodness by the sending of His Son. So now, listen, we, we need to answer this or kind of deal with this statement. God is the answer to all of our worries and fears. If God is indeed in control, if God is indeed good, so good that He would send His Son, then we, beloved, must land with Paul, must land as Bible people. Believing and knowing and trusting and hoping and anchoring our soul in the fact that God is the answer to all of our worries and fears. Look what Paul says here as we come to an end of it. Verse 32 again of Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also? So now here's something Paul's saying. Listen, he's going to make an argument, right? The greater thing, right? He's going to say the greater thing is is that God has, has given up his own son, right? So the own son being gave up. Right? That's the greatest thing that God could ever do. Paul's going to now say to us, now there's lesser things. Look what he says here. How will he not also with him graciously give us, notice what he says here, all things. Paul's saying to us really quick, out of the gate, listen guys, if God was willing to do the greatest thing for you, send his son to die for you in the midst of your sin, why are you lost so little faith believing he won't take care of everything else? It's so small in comparison to that. 
You hope and believe that He's willing to love you and do the greatest thing for your soul. And now you wonder and doubt over here about so many lesser things. Paul's saying, guys, that doesn't make sense. He's done the greatest thing for you. He gave His own Son. So how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Right here, we need to be asking, well, Blake, what does all things mean? Like, does this mean like everything should go well for me? What is this in, implying here? Listen, we might want to ask Paul the same thing. Paul, have you forgotten that you were beaten, brother? Paul, have you forgotten there in Lystra and Derby and other places when, when they stoned you and thought left you for dead? Paul, have you forgotten that when you went to make your first offense, all your friends turned their back upon you? Paul, have, no, no, Paul's not having spiritual amnesia. Look what Paul says in verse 35 here in the same, the same text. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Look what he talks about. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? And he goes on to say, we are all like sheep being led to the slaughter. Paul's saying, guys, listen, don't hear this today. And when you read all things, don't assume that that now means that everything in your life is going to be perfect. Right? It doesn't mean that you're going to get the perfect test result that you want, the grade on that paper. It doesn't mean that somehow the coronavirus is going to maybe magically disappear. That may not be God's plan for us, but we can know that our God is in control and that He is good and that He's bringing good from this. And because of that, I don't have to worry. Listen, we, despite those troubles, we can know that God is going to meet all of our needs. But Bible verses, just like James tells us, listen, you have not. Why? Because you ask not. Some of you worried about toilet paper, right? Let's be honest. How many of us three weeks ago thought we'd be in the day worrying about toilet paper? Beloved, do you think your God doesn't know that you need toilet paper? You're worrying about it, though. Worrying about the sanitizer, the hand wipes. You're worried. Listen, and there's some legit worries some people have. We're going to deal with that in a moment. Some of us are hoarding. That's 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 a sin, a heart issue. It's a lack of trust, ultimately. But listen, beloved, listen, we have this moment here when God is going to provide for us all things. And listen, this means that we can live and not worry. We don't have to live in fear because we know that our God is faithful. He's going to take care of us. But listen, some of you got some big worries. You're worried about who you'll marry. You're worried about where you may go to school. You're worried about the stock market doesn't bounce back. You're worried right now, who's going to keep your kids this week at the daycare? This is shut down. Some of you are wondering, can my business survive this? And some of you are deep down wondering, will I or someone I love die from this? Again, we worry. Why? Because deep down we doubt, is God good in His plan? Is it like my plan? Guys, we may think we have our future planned out, but we need to trust that God is good. And just say, God, wherever you lead, we sing it. What? I'll go. My daughter's with us. Again, it's just God's goodness, guys. We don't have to worry. We don't have to live in fear, right? Imagine this is just an illustration that kind of hit me about a month ago, and I've kind of just shared a couple different places. But imagine this, right? Imagine that you go and you check into a hotel, right? And you walk into the hotel room. You've paid for it. You give them your card, boom, whatever. You've gone to the hotel room, man. You get ready to walk in, and you get ready to sit on that bed. But the moment before you sit down, you pick that phone up, and you're like, hey, it's... Call the front desk. It's room 201. Just want to know, is it cool if I lay in the bed? And they're like, well, of course, the room is yours. 
You lay down in that bed, and a few minutes later, right, you, you reach for the remote. And you're like, I just want to check, see what's kind of going on in the world around me. I know there's no sports on, but listen, there'll at least be something, right? And so you grab the remote, and the moment before you hit power, you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I should do that. You reach, grab the phone, call the front desk, hey, it's room 201. Just, is it okay if I turn the TV on? They're like, of course, the room is yours. You're laying there watching TV, and you feel like you're a little bit cold. And you're like, you know what, it'd be nice if I could just turn the thermostat up. And so you kind of walk to the thermostat like that. And right when your finger gets to hit it, you're like, you know, I'm not sure if I should do this. And so you reach and grab, and you call the front desk, and they're like, room 201, what is it? <laughs> right? They know. And they're like, is it okay if I turn the thermostat up? And they respond, of course, the room what is yours. Paul's asking us today. You're worried about the coronavirus. You're worried about all these different fears. Christ is yours. Christ is yours. God's met your greatest fear, worry, need. So why are you worried about everything else as well, beloved? Now listen, some of you, listen, Christ is not yours. And so you've got a real need and a real worry. And it's a lot bigger than the coronavirus. You've got a God that's going to hold you accountable for your sin. You've got some real stress. You've got some real worry about where you're going to spend eternity. Some of you, listen, you, you need to be asking today, right? You need to be answering this question. If God be against you, who can be for you? If God be against you, who can be for you? As Charles Spurgeon said, commenting and preaching to his church on this very passage, he says, for some of you, your pleasures are only the prelude to your pains. I challenge you to spend time today considering if God be against me, what then? What will become of me in time and eternity? How shall I die? How shall I face him in the day of judgment? It is not an impossible if, but an if which amounts to a certainty, I fear, in the case of many who are sitting in this house today. Beloved, I set before you the cure to worry is this. The cure to worry is trusting in God because God is good. The cure to worry, the cure to dealing with all of the fears and the anxieties and phobias and everything that's on your radar today is trusting in God because God is good. So if God's good and He's in control of all things, then how might we as a church or individuals respond during this time? And so I just want to kind of be practical, maybe just have like a, a group meeting. We've been honest. This could be our last time together physically as a church body for a while. We just do not know. So I just want to talk to you maybe just for a moment of like, what's the outworking of this? What's this look like, right? How do we respond to God's goodness? The greatest thing you and I can do, beloved, is pray. Spend time daily on your knees and on your face praying for our government leaders, praying for our churches, praying for those that are sick or the elderly, those that are greatest at risk because of health conditions, praying that God would give them wisdom, praying that God would bring an end to this virus. You are crying out to God. So, beloved, listen, the greatest thing that you can do is pray for our health care workers. Pray for those men and women who will be on the front lines encountering, dealing with this. Pray for them. But listen, while prayer is the greatest thing, listen, if it's true prayer, I have a hard time believing that it will only be prayer. You with me? Prayer is the greatest thing that we can do. But if it's true prayer, listen, I have a hard time believing it will be the only thing that we do. So let's start right here. Let's start inward and work outward. What do we as a church considering what we might do in the coming days, weeks, or even months? Listen, senior adults or those with health concerns are the most at risk. 
So one of the plans is, it's like for our deacons, right? They, they, they've already got some names. We're going to be getting that to them more intentionally. But I want you to know that in the coming days, weeks, months, we're asking them that one time a week when it comes to whether it's shut-ins, maybe it's a widow or widower, maybe it's just the elderly among us, right? Maybe it's someone we know that's at a health risk. They're going to be contacting you once a week just to ask, how are you feeling? Do you have basic household supplies? Do you have food? Do you have medications or any other needs? So I want you to answer the phone, talk to them, right? This is how we begin to know. We want to keep up with you, okay? For the elderly, listen, this is, this is some real fears. So we as a church body, right, we are called to just walk beside one another. I told the boys, it was so sad this morning. We came down the road and those front spaces were all empty. I said, guys, this is so sad. Our senior adults, they're so important. They're just as important to the church as you young people. You don't become less valuable when you get old. You're not discarded to the side because you can't do what you once did. It ought to break our hearts to see those spaces empty. We ought to cry out to God this week. God, heal this land. We love our senior adults. We care for them. We care for those who are compromised immunities. So listen, we're asking again, if you're in that group, you're going to be hearing from some form of our leadership once a week asking those things. Similarly, Sunday school teachers, I want to challenge you. Maybe there's several of you have like you co-teach or have others. Listen, I want you to start beginning dividing up your, 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 your roster and begin reaching out to them once a week, just kind of keeping a pulse. How are they doing? Right? Just kind of keeping a pulse on what's going on. And maybe you guys become aware of needs. Let Brother Todd or I know. Let our leadership know of how we can best minister to them. Sunday school classes. Listen, we know that's one of the most important things that we do here is the Sunday school classes, spending time together in the Word of God. We're already beginning to pray, consider how you might be able to meet online, how maybe couples, right, if you're in a couples class, you could pair up, or men with men, or women with women, right, have time to talk and discuss the Scriptures, right, and what you're studying. Why? Because we know that for many of you, your Sunday school material is the primary way in which you pursue God daily in your daily spiritual discipline. And accountability matters. I assume that most of you show up having done your work to Sunday school, right? We don't want that to slide. And so, again, we're looking at what it might look for an online meeting. And guess what? What would it look like if if our services here are canceled? It may be that at 9 a.m. you all have a Zoom meeting or some of you, right? Maybe you're not Internet, but you can have phone calls. And so you begin to have a conversation with this person and this week, and you talk about what you guys worked through. And by guess what? By 10 o'clock for the live stream, and we're going to move there in just a moment, you're ready to launch into corporate worship. But, again, we want to keep these times, right, guarding, protecting them. With that said, the live stream, right? Right now, currently, listen, we're working on a plan to begin live streaming, right? So that you and your homes, hopefully at 10 a.m. on Sunday, right, this time, you guys can gather as a church, as individuals, maybe, right, you might invite others, right, if that's safe and and, and how those things work out. Listen, currently, we're posting our sermon and the service on the web, but we want to be able to gather intentionally during this hour. You must realize, though, that with that, live streaming is a compromise and not a convenience. When... when I'm away from my home and, and my family and my crew, listen, I love FaceTime to be able to look at them, talk to them. But all the while I'm thinking, man, I can't wait to get home to hug them, see them, play with the kids on the floor, to have time together. We may very well experience some FaceTime-type reality. But guys, listen, this is not becoming for us a convenience. This is a compromise that we may have to make for a season. 
So I want you to realize that. I want you to say, hey, listen, my family worships at 10 a.m. If the church is live streaming at 10 a.m., then I plan to be there with my family. I plan to be there as an individual. Maybe, again, I encourage you, begin to reach out. Think about others that may not have some type of Internet access to their home. How could they join us? Again, we'll continue to hopefully have the 105.7 at 11 on K-Country. But we're trying. How can we do that? So this is part of what we're doing for a church body. That's just some of it. I can't give you all. But how do we also not only care for the church, but how do we in this season care for our community? I want to say that I am beyond stoked and you ought to be thanking and praising God that you have a school system that cares about students the way they do here in Greene County. Are you with me? That is awesome to realize that they are having a planning to feed them Monday through Friday. They are trying to uh, a health clinic, many things I'm sure you've heard about. Listen, we are saying, how can we as a church come alongside and be a part of that? So what I want you to know is, is that on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, if at all possible, our plan is to continue taking food to our kiddos. Because, listen, they get meals Monday through Friday, but what do you do Saturday through Sunday? Again, some of us, listen, come on. We don't have the worries some of our kiddos have. Come on. They live worrying about toilet paper and food all time long. Some of us are just kind of briefly getting a little bit of glimpse of what some of our kiddos live like all the time. And it's messing up our blessed assurance. So I'll encourage you, compel you, how might you be a part of that? Hopefully we'll bring more of that to you. One calls, Facebook, right, our website. What about city leaders, right? We've already been in contact with them. We're saying, what can we do to best help our city? How can we best help this community? We're waiting to hear back as we hear things. Listen, we're going to be bringing that to you to let you know, here's some serious needs right now in Greensburg or Green County. And so I encourage you, you have connections with folks. Be asking, what can I do, right? You as an individual believer, how can you help? Some of you, again, it's just practical. You have friends and neighbors. We drove through the neighborhood this morning, and listen, we were just talking like, boys, do you know, like, they're elderly, and they've got sickness, and they're elderly, and they've got... we got an opportunity to love on our neighborhood. Listen, I don't know if you know your neighbors or not, but if not, you need to start stepping up and saying, listen, you need to find out, are there elderly among you? Are those with compromised immunity? Listen, and you can begin to help provide them. Maybe they need household supplies again. Maybe they need food, medicine, right? Maybe they just need somebody that talks to them. They don't see anybody anymore. I encourage you, check again on your friends and neighbors. Begin to pour in and love on them. And with that, beloved, listen, we're not loving on others well when we're hoarding. I get it. We're all feared and worried. I get it. There's not many rolls of teepee at the Jesse household because some of you got them all. Right? Just being straight with you. We're trying. I'm like, Emily, I might just buy more cheese, baby. I guess that's how we'll deal with it, right? 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 I mean, listen. But there's some legit worries. I heard that there's a young mother in this state that does not able to have food for her baby because somebody's bought everything. Come on, guys. Uh, listen. I know, again, it's just fears and worries, but if we truly believe God's in control, I don't have to go rake the shelf. Hoarding, guys, that's an indication that ultimately deep down we don't trust that God's going to meet our needs. The Israelite people did that, and you saw how that man is spoiled. Finally, listen, families, there's families in our community that are going to need help. Some of you are retired, vocationally, educational, you have backgrounds. Maybe you can help, right, with kiddos as they begin to work on their classes and, and have these different gold day packets and different things. Some of you, listen, you can just check on, on families as, as parents have to work and they may not have child care like they're used to. 
Maybe you can either be a watchdog, right? And you just kind of keep pulse on there and say, hey, if you've got an issue, you let me know. I can be there in two minutes. Or maybe you can help keep an eye on kiddos, right, as they try to manage their schedule. I don't know what it looks like. It's challenging. I get it. This morning, I got to held two of my kiddos, and part of me thought while I was holding them, man, listen, they're going to wrinkle my shirt up. And the Lord's like, man, Blake, so often you're worried more about wrinkles than on loving on people. And listen, I'm not saying we need to be reckless with this virus. I'm not at all dismissing that. Not at all. Hope you see that today. But beloved, there's one that touched me. Oh, he touched me. What joy that filled my soul. He touched a leper like me. He came near to me when others were running away. When I had nothing to offer Him. I'm beloved. I'm just asking you, if that's your Savior, how might you this week, this coming weeks, respond to this community? Why? Because the cure to worry is trusting in God. Because God is good. Would you pray with me? Father, in the strong name of Christ we come. Hoping and praying. Father God, that you would give us wisdom as we lead. Father God, show us favor that we would love on this community. God, strengthen us to truly care about our fellow church members and specifically those who are aged or at risk. Father, I ask also, God, that you would do a work in our individual hearts. God, I'm honest with you, Lord. I got worries right now. I can preach the sermon, but the truth is, God, I still worry what's going to happen. I realize that's part of humanity. But also, God, it's a struggle with my faith. Father, I know that you're good, but I, Lord, I'm like that man there in Mark 9. Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Strengthen our faith, Lord. Strengthen us, God, that we might truly, in the coming weeks, months, whatever it may be, be a city on a hill. Father God, may we shine that others would see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. Father God, strengthen this church to not be worried about wrinkles, but instead the souls that are perishing, those who desperately need. God, I pray that we would come forth, God, that we would stand forth a vast army, God. I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord. God, let us be empowered through your spirit to not be afraid to go into our community. God, your people don't run from trouble. We run to trouble because we ourselves have been rescued. Oh, God, give us a fire. God, give us a passion. God, help us love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Father, I'm reminded now as your spirit speaks, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down their life for their friend. Fill us with your love, Lord. I pray this for the glory of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen and amen, beloved. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.